0: Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined as always by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete
1: Donaldson himself. Pete, how are you doing on this fine Sunday? Um, good. It's a very misty morning here in the England. Uh, it's we've had some beautiful uh, misty mornings uh, here here in England <laughs> in Hertfordshire, wow. um uh, over the past few weeks. It's been absolutely stunning. When I've been getting up in uh, nice and early in the morning and walking through the streets, it's uh, I've always I've, I've kind of went oh if I had more time I'd take some pictures, but uh, I didn't because I'm always running late. I also got um, uh, on Friday I got a uh, train fine as well because I forgot to buy a ticket. Oh, that's train, not, no train fine. No train fine. 30 quid. Ooh. 30 quid. Damn right. But it does make me think that, like, I think I've been asked for my ticket, uh, like, sort of through lockdown, through this year. I think I've been asked for a ticket about three times. Right. Now, if that's going to cost me 30 quid each time, there's no barriers going in or going out. So I reckon I'll probably just get away well, with not buying a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be up. I'd be up. God you damn it! Would, yeah. <laughs>
0: Rule breaking, as always, Pete. I'm shocked and disturbed. Um, don't don't mm. listen to him. Don't 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 become Pete Donaldson, ladies and gentlemen. Don't become Pete. Well, while, you, while you've been getting train fines and walking through the mist? I walked through a mm. a little bit of a blizzard earlier on for lunch. I had some gyukatsu. Do you know what gyukatsu is, Pete? Have you heard of gyukatsu? Ooh, gyukatsu is that beef? Oh. katsu curry. Can I? Kind of. Kind of, so katsu kind of means like breaded, right? Uh, like tonkatsu, right. breaded pork. Uh, uh. Gyu katsu, breaded beef. Um, gyu means beef, ton, pork. So gyu katsu uh, it's beautiful. It's kind of this breaded um, uh, wagyu beef. Actually, I don't know if it was wagyu, but it was certainly beef. Um, and you get mm-hmm. lots of different dips with it. So I had like a curry sauce dip. I had an egg so I could dip it in. I had some soy sauce and then some rice and some miso soup. Really bloody good lunch, really filling. The walk mm. through the blizzard was worth it for that lunch. Very hearty, filling lunch, and the beef was kind of raw. It was kind of uh, rare, rare medium, so it was really juicy mm. and uh, had some nice wasabi to go with it. So once a month, I go there and nice. I treat myself. It's not the healthiest of lunches, but certainly amongst the most satisfying. I would say I will have to get you some next time mm. you're over. Yeah, sounds delicious. Are delicious. You, are you a fan of tonkatsu? The most, the sort of more popular variant.
1: Uh yeah, I'm. i I'm, any of that stuff to be to be honest. I'm bang up for anything. Anything breaded, covered in any kind of sauce, be it gravy, be it curry, <laughs> be it tears. It's <laughs> oh, quite
0: frankly breaded tears. Uh, I mean, you can get Tom yeah. Katsu in London. There might be some places that do gyukatsu as well. I know London's got a burger. Mm. I'm saying this, but there's another bloody lockdown, isn't there? So you can't really enjoy anywhere at the moment. So no, you can't really go. I'm empty. Abu. Won't tempt you. Abu. But I've also just got back from a trip to Almori with Riottoro. I haven't done a, many videos with Riottoro in a long time. I think I've done like what, 2, 3 videos with Riottoro this year in mm. the first half of the year. And um we went to Almori to the west side uh to film lots of apples because Almori is of course famous for apples and cider. Uh but we also we went to um <laughs> this kind of this inn in the mountains of Almori. And the region, that kind of western part of Almore, is famous for eating really exotic meats. And we had a deer, yeah. we ate some deer, we ate uh, some wild boar. Oh, wow. And most interestingly of all, we ate a bear, an actual bear. Um, you did not eat a bear. I ate a bear. Is that is that bad? Oh, what did that taste like? Um, it kind of tastes like tough, chewy beef, really. um, I, It was all oh, right. Okay. I wouldn't want to eat it again. It's quite fatty. Um, we had a little mm. barbecue grill so it was served to us raw and then we sort of grilled it on the little barbecue and then marinated it in some mm. soy sauce it was good would i eat it again no probably not the deer was fantastic i'll have deer every day the wild boar was all right but i'd rather just stick to pork um yeah it was an interesting meal they have it they call it like the hunter the hunter dinner morioase, like the hunter selection of foods right and it's quite quite bizarre and uh Apparently, in that region of Aomori, where there are a lot of bears, the hunters kind of have to kill bears to keep the population down so they don't run amok and kill all the villages. And rather than just sort of kill the bears and leave them there, they, they eat them, eat them every now and then. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how the video is going to go down. I know my viewers are generally quite open-minded towards meat in videos, but uh, the horse meat video from last year certainly didn't go down too well. A lot of people wanted me killed after no. that. But this is the food of bloody Kimamoto. I couldn't just ignore it. And it was rather delicious. I would, well, I would eat it again. And, uh, but yeah, I won't eat a bear anytime soon. I, kind of feel, I did feel a mm. sense of guilt. I kind of like bears, even if they do terrorize the farms of Mori each and every day of the week. And we seem to talk about bears quite a lot in this podcast, but uh, until now we've never eaten one. And now we have. Mm. So there we go my thoughts on bears. Well
1: done, well done you for eating all well the done. bears. Give me my
0: badge. <laughs> Give me my badge. Eating the bears. Bear badge. The bear We've badge. Got story from the week from Sebastian. It says, good morning from Ireland, guys. How are you? I'm good,
1: Sebastian. How are you, Pete? I'm all right. I'm there you go. Staying out of trouble. Not eating any bears, so you can't cancel me, mate. But so. what's worse, though? Riding a train
0: without paying and getting fined or eating a bear? Definitely it's, it's, eating a a bear. it's definitely eating a bear. It's we all know who the villain is. That, that's,
1: that's easily, clearly, clearly eating a bear.
0: You disgust me <laughs> with your train finds. Right. Sebastian says, in regards to the stories about Japanese police swarming crime scenes, something interesting happened to us uh, while we were in Japan in 2016 and staying in an Airbnb apartment. Um, Sebastian's reference to the police swarming tactic. We talked about it a few weeks ago. When there's a crime or somebody does something dodgy in Japan, somehow like a whole fleet of police will turn up. And uh, in my first trip to Osaka, I saw a guy, he was a little bit drunk, surrounded by no less than 10 police officers. Um, It's a kind of a swarm tactic, yeah. Um, So Sebastian and his wife were in Japan, 2016, staying in an Airbnb apartment. One morning when we were leaving for our daily adventure, we found that the intercom of the neighbouring apartment was screaming something in Japanese. Curious as we were, we used our phones to translate the message to our horror. It was saying there is a gas leak. Naturally, we were concerned. So we went to the nearest Corban, the police uh, police station, as that was the only solution we could think of. Upon arrival, we spent 40 minutes using Google, translating our story to three separate police officers. After the first 40 minutes, they contacted headquarters for an English speaking police officer. Fifteen minutes later, when he arrived on his bike, we told him the situation. As all of us, myself, my wife, and three policemen walked back to the apartment, the officer interrogated us about our trip and informed us that Airbnb is illegal in Tokyo and we weren't allowed to stay there. (sighs) Awkward. Uh, If this didn't stress us out enough, as we got to the apartment, three full police cars pulled up and the 12 of us, good God, like an army, 12 of us walked inside to find the intercom had stopped. It was at this moment the police officer turned to us with a disapproving look and requested to see identification and blame us for wasting their time. Um, in the middle of this interaction, a startled looking maintenance worker came around the corner to our rescue. He explained the situation that there was a gas leak, and after a further 15 minutes, the policeman turned to us, bowed, and thanked us for doing the neighbourhood a service by informing them. All in all, it was a good way to start the day's adventure. Thank you for doing your work on the podcast, guys. Thoroughly enjoying the content. All the best, Sebastian, the crime, cr- the fellow criminal there. I thought you were a criminal, Pete, with your train fines, but Sebastian staying in an illegal Airbnb. That's something else, isn't it? <laughs> Even though, in fact, everybody staying in an Airbnb in Japan probably did it illegally up until 2016. I know for a fact, when I stayed in, it was definitely illegal because the person renting it out was like, don't tell anyone and don't come in the apartment looking like a tourist. Dicey. Mm.
1: Do you ever have that? Do you, look I mean, into- what? I mean I, I've never had a gas leak. I've never... <laughs> Never. <laughs> incredible really like they they could have um, fallen foul of an explosion a bit awkward it's sad isn't it when you try and save the
0: situation try and help mm. a situation and they turn on you like that and start threatening you a bit but yeah. uh, thank god yeah. the maintenance worker turned up that could have been really really uncomfortable like right? the police would have been pissed dragged them back to the police office police station and mm. uh, slap a fine on them or something but uh, a happy yeah. ending nonetheless and uh, uh, another example of how police officers in Japan don't speak that good English. Like we do get quite mm. a few stories on here uh, about people who have dealt with Japanese police and their English is often non-existent. So be advised, if you are dealing with police in Japan, uh, that is a problem. Like It can be quite difficult to find an English-speaking police officer. Mm. Uh, so... Worth remembering that. Um, Now, this week, we have got lots of interesting stories, comments and questions in the Fax Machine. Uh, So it is a Fax Machine special. We're going to go through and answer some of your questions. What's the first one we've got this week in the Fax Machine, Mr. Dawson?
1: I can't tell no lie. It is from Sean from Manchester. Welcome to the show, Sean from Manchester. This story is not overly amazing, (laughs) but it haunts me to this day. I was in Atmos in Harajuku and went to try on a hoodie. It didn't fit, unfortunately, but lucky for me, an employee offered to look for a bigger size for me. He asked me in decent English, Bigger size? Uh, I wasn't fully sure if I wanted to buy the hoodie, so I elongated my replies if uh, making my mind up when uh, replying. I said, Yeah. He looked at me confused, so I said, Yeah, please, enthusiastically. Uh, at this point, the guy looked very confused and uncomfortable. It uh, all—it sort of sent him into a meltdown, so he scurried off. After I, afterwards, I realised my accent must have made it sound like I was saying "yeah," but my body language was so positive and persistent that it probably came off as aggressive, <laughs> as I thought he was uh, struggling to understand me. Anyway, thank you so much for making my—it uh, makes such quality content. I hope you are both well, Sean from Manchester. So they've effectively gone to a shop and went, John, figure size, and they went. Uh, I'm trying to think how he said it. I don't know how Sean said it. Um, Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is that about right? I reckon so. think just broke my ears.
0: I uh, I think he must have done. He must have Yeah, (laughs) Because that means no in Japanese, but no one ever says it unless you're politely. No. Effectively,
1: yeah. Effectively.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant. But yeah. Really important point. People don't really say ja- uh, no in Japanese unless you're politely declining something like praise. If someone mm. says, oh, your Japanese is good, you'll be like, no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, in that, in that context, I d- yeah, <laughs> the guy must have just thought this is a really crass foreigner, this Sean from Manchester. He's being really rude. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, love it. Um, we've got one here from Matt. Hi, Chris and Pete. I'm currently reading Hokkaido Highway Blues on your recommendation from an earlier episode of the podcast. Uh, Hokkaido Highway Blues is a great book. Um, it involves Will Ferguson, the writer, traveling Japan um, from south to north following the cherry blossom trail as the blossom begin to bloom, uh. starting in March, I think, in, like, uh, in Kyushu and finishing in May in uh, Hokkaido. Uh, early on in the book, Will Ferguson discusses the difference between Japanese people's use of gaijin and gaijin-san when encountering foreigners, claiming that gaijin-san is somewhat more affectionate. He writes that once a colleague pointed out the difference, he started to take more notice and felt that gaijin-san was more of a societal role, and Gaijin was more of an ill-intentioned label. Uh, have either of you ever experienced this subtle but seemingly important difference? How do you feel about being called either Gaijin or San? Uh, I listen to the podcast first thing every day. It's the perfect distraction from my boring work-from-home desk job in the dreary town of Halifax, West Yorkshire. Thank you, guys, and all the best. Matthew. Um, thank you, Matthew. Thanks for the kind words. I, You know what the word Gaijin... You don't hear it used that much uh, in public. I, I think we did a, a poll maybe a year ago where we asked listeners on Twitter, uh, like, do you find the word gaijin offensive? And most people said no, unless it was used in a sort of derogatory manner, like, oh, bloody foreigners, bloody gaijin. Um, the more polite way is It's the more sort of elongated formal version, gai-koku-jin. Um But... Uh, no, I don't really hear in that much, but when I do, it's never really meant in an ill-intentioned way. And I personally don't get offended by it. But uh, have you ever, has anybody kind of used it in a derogatory way to label you, Pete, on your many travels around Japan?
1: Well, Chris, as a white man, I will take any opportunity to feel like I am uh, at the periphery of... Uh... <laughs> of life i want any excuse to feel like i am some kind of victim uh when in fact uh i'm very much in charge um yeah no no, no not not in the slightest not in the slightest um everyone's been uh, very polite and and even if they did use um uh, gaijin, i i wouldn't necessarily see it as a, as an offensive word i mean i i you certainly wouldn't would you chris no definitely not well
0: maybe when referring mm. to you bloody gaijin Pete. but uh <laughs> I mean, Gaijin San is more polite. No doubt about that. Like, put San on everything. And that's, you know, that's a nice marker of respect. Gaijin San. Uh, if somebody calls me mm. that, I'm happy with it. I don't mind. But uh, mm. uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. And um, don't let it get you down. Basically, it just means outside a person. And it's how they view people in Japan. 98% of mm. Japan's population, ethnically Japanese, foreigners, are few and far between. Um, I guess it's to be expected. And it's a historic. You know The whole historic connotation there, people coming from outside Japan. Japan was sealed off for hundreds of years. But uh, no, don't mm. feel offended by it unless someone uses it in that manner, in which case, don't worry about it. Uh, we've got one from Mark from Wiltshire. Hey, chaps. Love the podcast. It's kept me on the brink of sanity throughout this year. You've traveled the country far and wide and seen and done your fair share of traveling in Japan. Simple question. Have you ever had... An overpowering wow moment, a street, a scene, a place, a dish. I felt it two years ago in the winter while walking through the snow at Shirakawago in Gifu Prefecture, Uh, a beautiful town with thatched-roofed cottages and a blizzard in my face. All the while, I was sipping warm, sweet nectar that is amazake, non-alcoholic sake. The scene, the weather, the drink created a moment, a memory that I often turn to whenever I feel stressed to escape to. I just go back to that day. Have you ever experienced this for yourselves, um, that feeling when a mixture of wonder and culture shock collide into a feeling of euphoria? Or am I just a crazy lunatic drunk on non-alcoholic amazake? Uh, best to you both, Mark from Wiltshire. Have you ever had that moment, Pete, the moment of euphoria and mixed wonder? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yes, yeah. I, think yes. I, think so. I, I get that every time I arrive uh, at Haned Airport. Just that little kind of like yeah. where the ANA or the or the British Airways flight lands, uh, or even Air China, like and you just walk down that little kind of walkway and you're like, Oh, this is sweet. I'm gonna have such fun. <laughs> At least for the next two days when I get pissed.
0: <laughs> I mean, for me, I think it was when I first got my car, uh, in like September 2012, been here for a month, mm. got my car. The for the first month or so in Japan I didn't have a car, so I couldn't really travel or do anything. I was very much like indoors in my apartment. Or working at the school in the summer heat, but when I got a car, I mm. felt like it felt like when you're playing GTA and you finally unlock the map and you can go anywhere you want, kind of thing. Yes, uh, all the bridges
1: are dead. All the bridges are open again.
0: All the bridges are open. I could go anywhere I wanted, and it was exciting. Like looking at a map and thinking, "What's over yeah. there?" and then going, and driving towards a mountain. <laughs> like I just drove into the mountains and got lost. I remember just getting out of the car, having some picari sweat from a nearby vending machine because it was so bloody hot, and just say, delicious. Hydrated, of course, uh, with delicious Pocari sweat and just looking over a nice green luscious rice field with the mountain Mount Chokai in the background and uh, someone working a nearby rice field, beautiful Japanese architecture. I did make a video on the Abroad Perspective uh, YouTube channel, second channel, and there's a video, like a 30 minute loop of uh, a setting, like a beautiful scene in that region of Japan. And that's kind of the scene I was looking at. Like, If you go and watch that, I think the video is called mm. Relaxing Countryside Escape or something. It came out like two months ago. If you go and look at that, that is the setting I was looking at when I had that kind of overpowering, euphoric, beautiful moment um, when I felt like, wow, I'm in Japan. This is crazy. And I can do whatever I want. And I've unlocked the level and I can drive anywhere I want. It's magic. That's why I felt. Um, so I know the feeling all <laughs> too well, Mark. I know the feeling all too well. Very good. <laughs>
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stressors. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realise that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up they can start to affect us negatively which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors it's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inattention so you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it Wrestle Me is a show where two men watch every WrestleMania from 1 to 37, unpicking the multicoloured threads that tie it all together.
0: I think it's slightly something to do with the fact that
1: Americans don't really like cell phones, do they? Right. I think they've all got basic ones, <laughs> basically. It's <laughs> a big shout. It is a big shout, but I mean, there is something funny about it, like text messaging never took off in the States. Well, I'm d- come on now. Never been big. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> Whether you're a lapsed fan or someone who doesn't give a flying laureate about it, there's something for everyone. If you can get a crowd to boo you for kicking a fabulous the ladder, fabulous ladder, and the crowd are booing, yeah, of that lovely ladder we've just learned about. It's a beautiful polysexual ladder. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful and very shabby sheet creation. If you climb up to it. Ecstasy can be found at the top. <laughs> Listen via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your pods.
0: Wrestle Me is a staccano production. Over to you, Pete.
1: <sighs> oh, <laughs> what are you doing? Are you drinking a uh, coffee? I am drinking I some water. Drink.
0: My coffee days are behind me. Oh I've wow! I've already had it.
1: Okay. I think we're uh, I think we're sponsored by uh, coffee this week. Really? Um, packed coffee. Very. They sent me a, 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 a. I couldn't be asked to send it on to you, Aww. but I had it. And it was bloody delicious, so I have a bit of that. <laughs> so so got, I'm wait, drinking coffee on behalf of you, Chris. We're sponsored by coffee, and I haven't got a coffee.
0: Yeah. I didn't even tell me we were sponsored by coffee. This is, <laughs>
1: you I really are. I didn't know until the coffee turned up. It was delicious. It was like, there's like a Christmas me. blend, there's all sorts of. <laughs> I think I hate you. you. All you do is you sit on trains
0: <laughs> for free, getting fined £30 drinking your bloody free coffee. We head on sponsored. coffee. Yeah. I hate you. It's good
1: socially Gosh, socially conscious uh, coffee uh, anyway Reese Page in Wolverhampton hello Chris and Pete love the podcast and the video channel even if the abandoned love hotel scared the living shit out of me uh, writing as I was thinking about Japan's relationship to the beard it struck me that the lack of beards across the country could be related to the prevalence of masks in use living in England and having to get used to wearing a mask this year whilst having the face hair I can attest to the fact that it is hellish it's itchy it's overly warm and generally unpleasant a quick quick question for you Chris though uh, if you have to if you had to live anywhere else within Japan other than Sendai, where would it be? Reese Page, Wolverhampton. Oh, thank you for your message, beady boy. I oh, love it. That, that that kind of message just swings
0: very in a diff, very different direction, doesn't it? You goes talk about facial hair. And then, by the way, where'd you rather live, Sendai, not Sendai? Face hair. <laughs> there. I um. I guess that's yeah. I guess we did talk about face hair. We mm. had a. Uh, uh, a Japanese f- listener, a woman who said that she liked facial hair because we talked about how facial hair isn't popular in Japan and how women don't typically like it and also how it's banned in the workplace in many occasions, uh, in many situations. But we did have a ray of hope. The lady in question, whose name I cannot recall, she said, I like men with facial hair. Don't worry, we do exist. So nice happy ending there for those of you that like facial yeah. hair. Like Pete with your Colonel Sanders' face.
1: I Yeah, it, I, I'm not looking like Colonel Sands anymore. I'm looking what? like the uh, disgraced maniac, um, John McAfee, the uh, <laughs> owner of McAfee, uh, the, the creator of McAfee Virus Protection. Even uh, Who went a little off the rails, let's say. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: if I had to live anywhere else that wasn't Sendai, I would live in, oh, you already put me on the spot, but I'm going to say Matsuyama. Mm um in Shikoku, because it's, i haven't really lived or explored or done a whole lot in kind of west japan and that yeah. region is beautiful um we went through there virginia across japan we saw the castle we ate the food um yeah i haven't really seen Shikoku in general and for me as well as being a great city to live in it ticks all the boxes there's an airport you can fly to tokyo in an hour get to Osaka and uh, Hiroshima easily. I think it's just the idea of living somewhere new, starting fresh uh, and being able to look at a map and not know know, where you're going really and look at a map and think oh what's over there and start exploring. Like I've seen so much of East Japan I know Tohoku like the back of my hand I can get around the kind of east side of Japan really at the northeast side of Japan effortlessly um, without a map but for that end for the west I don't know a whole lot so yeah I would choose there. What about you Pete if you had to live somewhere where would you live? And I bet it's Shibuya because I know you love
1: Shibuya. No, K- Kitakushu, yeah, kind of Kyushu, um, kind of Fukuoka, I reckon I'd, 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 I'd love that town Oh, Yakuza. that city. I think it's it's flopping, flopping
0: brilliant. It is. Kitakushu is famous for its uh, Yakuza ties. I think after corbe it's like the most oh, is it right? Uh, turbulent town. I've passed through that. It was quite a nice Eey, town. I had no idea. Fairly unremarkable, mm. but then I haven't really seen much there, so I can't judge. I can't judge. I think the
1: ramen's good. The, what, what is good there? The um um just the good the good times the the bars the good times. Uh, people the people are just really friendly like, the people are noticeably uh, more friendly than other cities uh, mm. elsewhere in in Japan I think I think it's great. And obviously it's got that uh, hotel that you can stay for a dollar if you get filmed. Remember? Oh yeah. The $1 hotel, the 100 yen hotel. That's true.
0: Yeah, people in Kyushu like <laughs> Fukuoka, Kagoshima, um Kitakyushu, they're all a lot more laid back and friendly uh friendlier mm. potentially than people in tohoku now i, I say potentially they are mm. from my experience um with tohoku people are a lot more shy and reserved and you have to sort of build up a bit of trust and relationship before they really open up and uh you'll get lots of warm hospi- hospitality but uh it's a bit hard to get there whereas in kyushu people are just talk to you on the street a lot more naturally I don't know why. I think, Mm. I don't know why that is. Maybe Tohoku is more rural. Maybe it's the weather. People are indoors more because it's so bloody cold. I don't know. I have to find out. I have to read up Mm. on that. Um, Got one from Eric from Texas. He says, hi, Chris and Pete. Firstly, Chris, do you believe that Japan is aiming to reopen in April due to the effects of no tourism on the economy? Um, And April is Sakura season. The peak of the peak season for tourism. Uh, And secondly, Pete, will you be booking a trip first thing when Japan reopens? Thank you for the weekly entertainment and information. All the best to you both. Eric from Texas. I think they're going to open in April. I mean, it's not set in stone yet. That's sort of a a kind of target. I think that's because hopefully there'll be a bloody vaccine by then and that'll solve the issue and, and help it a little bit. Uh, also, cases tend to dip when the weather heats up, right? In the same way that the number of cases has gone up recently. In Hokkaido, they had 200 cases today, I think, which is a record amount, sadly. Um, but when it warms up, the cases will go down and uh, hopefully by then COVID-19 will have died off a bit. But uh, I think it's that sense of optimism that's the main reason. It's it's less to do about the peak season for tourism and more to do with that. Uh, that's my hunch anyway. But uh, I'll have to keep you guys updated. We'll keep you posted on what's going on, and uh, as soon as Japan opens, you'll be the first to know. And when it does open, will you be booking a trip first thing, Pete? What will you do? <laughs>
1: um Well, I wanted to take my partner to uh, see Japan because she's not seen it, and uh right. or too much. She, she 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 was out there uh, very briefly for for a weekend on the way to somewhere else. But she, uh, but I don't want to go in the first couple of weeks of it being open because it will be uh, a bit of a shit show. And and to be honest, I think mm. I think unless unless we're all vaccined up. I think it's going to be... I think, I think the Japanese uh, can be a little kind of like closed off uh, if given the chance, given half a chance. Mm. And the thing I love about Japan is not that. It's how open and friendly people are uh, and how helpful everyone is. So I I think it would give give her a, a slight uh, weird kind of view about what, what, what that country's like. Um, I would certainly go to where Eric's from, Texas. I would very much like to visit Texas uh, again because that is one of my favourite places in the world, even though... Politically, they are a little odd. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I kind of, you yeah, know, I get what you're saying. I think
0: uh, maybe there will be some trepidation. Give it a month.
1: It a month that's what I would say. Give it I, a
0: month. I wouldn't want to be in the first <laughs> wave of foreign tourists coming to Japan because there will be hurdles inevitably, like going through the airport. You'll have to have so- all sorts of checks and things. It could go wrong. I don't know. People might be a bit wary at first having this influx of foreigners. It could become a political nightmare when they do open the doors and that's why they have remained firmly shut all year long since yeah. uh, the first of april now but um i don't know i'm optimistic that things will turn around um once the vaccine's rolled out once the covid dies off a bit but we'll have to wait and see but fingers crossed because uh i know a lot of people have been really badly affected by this companies in the world of tourism across japan like restaurants inns Uh, bars, all sorts Mm. of people have lost out big time. And uh, there's no doubt the country's hurting for it. But uh, hopefully it'll reopen. Um, We've got one here from Courtney who says, Dear Chris and Pete, um, I have become increasingly interested in Japanese culture ever since meeting my boyfriend who taught in Japan amongst other places. The culture has even made it into my stories. As I'm a writer, my boyfriend has discussed the philosophy of Japan with me, as we're both philosoph- philosophical nerds, and I wanted to ask you both if you are partakers in that side of Japanese culture. Has living in Japan changed your way of living, and has it changed your views? I hope you're both staying well during the uh, era of the Big sea. The Big C. Uh, best wishes, Courtney, from Chorley in England. Pete, have your many trips to Japan changed you philosophically? Have they made you a better person?
1: <laughs> Breaking train rules? No, it's 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 made me. Uh, yeah, it's made me more of a rule breaker. It's made me uh, like that guy who was spotted in uh, Osaka, I think it was, weaving in and out of uh, cars and, and doing a bit of um, bicycle rage. Um, I'm very much. I, I bet I've turned into that guy basically because of <laughs> the um, poor Japanese influence. But no, I, I'm I, I'm not a I'm not a big thinker. I have to be said. I, uh, it has to be said. I'm <laughs> I'm not uh, intelligent. Enough to grasp those big big subjects. Um, I'll, I'll stick to the the smaller subjects like I don't know politics,
0: football, football, <laughs> football.
1: <laughs> and drinking. Pete has no
0: moral compass, uh, as we've established today with his lack of with his numerous train fines. Um, I, as for me, I think Japan has made me a better person. I'm certainly more uh, thoughtful, more mindful towards people and interaction. It's like right. in Japan, you have to be really grateful for everything. People, you know, you're always apologizing for something. You've always got to show appreciation for something. And that's definitely rubbed off on me. Like I, I certainly went above and beyond when I first got here. I wanted to fit in. I didn't want to be an annoying foreign tourist who doesn't kind of blend in with the culture. So I've made some real efforts and I've talked about it extensively in videos. And rather than me cover it all over now, I'd say go and watch uh, a video called four ways living in japan changed me um or a video i made last month called uh, how has living in japan changed me so those two videos will cover it better than i ever could now and with funny sketches and great music weaved in there as well uh, keep the stories questions <laughs> comments coming into brawn japan podcast at gmail.com we'll be back on wednesday guys do it all over again but for now no matter where you might be out in the big wide world thanks for listening and we'll see you then and pete don't you go breaking more rules pay that train fine Pay for the train ticket. No way. way
1: No way. I'm a bad boy for life, baby. I'm gonna ride on top of the train. (laughs) And they're gonna call me the train surfer. Don't need the train surfer. a Stukanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.